Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. One of the smartest things I ever did, and actually it wasn't me being so smart, somebody gave me a journal. I started writing. Let me encourage you to do that because I have 30 years of looking at the long walk in the same direction. Somebody said, and it was one of the the great theologians, I can't think who his name is right now, but he said, if if your walk, if you can't look back at your walk five years ago and go, I was a heretic five years ago, then is Thomas Merton? Yeah, then you are not growing. (laughs) Well, I can look back five years ago and say, ah, I was a heretic. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Fortunately, she didn't know me five years ago. She doesn't know how much of a heretic. But, yes, okay, yeah. I can look back five years ago and go, oh, my goodness. Did God ever pull a switcheroo on me? I've always been a devout person since I started following Jesus. I think in my 30s, I remember listening to a Keith Green song in our place in Phoenix. I was probably 31, 32. And it was just like the full force of my selfishness hit me in the face. And how I'd spent my life on me. Even though I love God. I'd spent my life on me, and it was, a, it was a pivotal point. I can look back and go, it's, all, it's been all about me. And sometimes that's what adulthood does to us, doesn't it? it? It makes us aware of other people. Maybe it's because kids get put in our life, or a mate, or maybe just life collides with us, and we realize we're selfish. But I've always been devout since that point in time. I think it was a point of reckoning where I just went, Man, I, I want to know Jesus. I want to be different. And um, so that's when I started keeping a journal. And things did change. What I thought about God at that point in my life, what I believed about God shaped me. Now the happy news is, even if you think the wrong things about Jesus... And you think the wrong things about how it is he, what it is he expects of you or you're immersed in religion. He's still faithful, isn't he? So we can get it kind of wrong and still end up with really good results. One time Lloyd and I, after we got back from Ireland, he even suggested to me that we could write a book called How to Do All the Right Things and Get All the Wrong Results. Probably wouldn't have been a bestseller, but (laughs) God is faithful. And even if we've believed wrong things in our past, or we're currently believing things that aren't completely right, God is faithful to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. So that is very, very hopeful. Now, All of you know, I mean, I'm talking to family here. You guys know the journey we've been on for the last five years. When we started New Day 10 years ago, we had no clue 
what God was going to do. I've had dreams about it for decades. I've had dreams about God blowing my mind with something and about different cryptic dreams about things that were going to happen and I didn't know what they meant until about, you know, it's been unfolding to me. Five years ago, God pulled this switcheroo on us. I remember years ago listening to people preach about the cross and thinking, why do they keep harping on that? Like, <laughs> why? let's talk about how to do this now. Okay, we know Jesus saved us. We know he shed his blood. We know <clears throat> his spirit's in us. We need to move on to the, the deeper things of how do we live our life now. Boy, was I stupid. Because in the last five years, I cannot get away from the glory of what it is that Jesus did as he died. What it was, I had no idea what it was that he was launching on our behalf out of the old covenant and into the new covenant. This is the most cataclysmic thing that has ever happened to planet Earth. And I practiced my spirituality as having that as the, of course, the pivotal point. That was, that was the pin that you stick in, and then you have this little thing that goes around, and you can make a circle. Okay, and that was the linchpin. Okay, and, and this, all of this, going around it was what I thought was important. Of course I knew this was important, but all those years that it taught discipleship, it was about doing and not being. Now we talked about being. I did not understand. I've had a revelation. It's the most important revelation of my entire existence Okay, it is. It has revolutionized my life. It's revolutionized revolutionized Lloyd's life. It's revolutionized each of you who have a revelation of the redemption of Jesus and what it is He did for us. It's like, oh, this is earth shattering. But before it was about how to do things. Okay, and we studied the Bible like you pull out passages of Scripture. And you read the passages, and then you do something about what it is you read. Or you feel guilty about what it is you read. You know, you try it a little while, you fail, and you feel guilty. That was kind of the process. And all the years that we taught discipleship, there was a lot of love. Don't get me wrong. We love those kids, and it's never been like the Lord has not given us profound understandings. You can't walk with Jesus and not get some profound stuff. You know what I mean? Even if you're wrong, you're going to still get profound stuff. Even if you've got pieces that aren't working right, you're still going to get profundity. You're walking with God. Okay? So I did learn profound things along the way. We, I remember... After the second year, first year, second year, I would say my method of discipling was called dropkick discipling. (laughs) Yeah, 
Okay, you know, discipleship is going to come with the personality of the person who's discipling. Know what I mean? If you're a very merciful person, they will get very soft discipleship. And if you're a, a dominant personality, they're going to get dropkick discipleship. You can't help the personality you're born with, okay? It's your hardwiring. Don't ever apologize for that. That's a gift from God. Well, it's a gift after it's refined by God. <laughs> Sometimes the gift is a little obscured on the front end. But God will, you know, work on you over the years. But, you know, we saw all the do's and don'ts in the Bible, and we figured do's and don'ts, keep the rules, equals good Christianity. How many of us believe that way? How many of you spun your wheels trying to do it right? You know, and then we added things like fasting, pray without ceasing. How's that work for you? How about pray for an hour's hard? But if you learn it to do it right, you can pray for an hour, no sweat. And then you feel pretty good about yourself for a while until you do something really stupid and you got to spend the whole hour repenting. So, you know, the whole, we studied the Bible in pieces of how to do, and a whole lot of it was if-then Christianity. If you do this, then that will happen. How many of you ever kind of were wondering if you didn't get the if part right, if you do this? Yeah, because we did a lot of stuff, like I said, do the right things, get the wrong results. Yeah. So we would teach the Bible compartmentally. And this main little stick pin right in the middle about Jesus dying, somehow I missed the whole big picture, the overarching canon of the Bible. I missed it in the way I've got it now, the profoundness of what it was Jesus was transitioning humankind through over the long haul. I want to read a few things about the Old Covenant here. These are not refrigerator verses, by the way. First Chronicles 28 and 9 Now, this is when David was going to, he had amassed a lot of goods. He was giving Solomon all these goods for the temple. And he was going to instruct Solomon, which was the glorious, most glorious reign of Israel. Solomon had it all. So, and a lot of that was stuff that David had plundered from other people that he had plundered. Okay, so Solomon gets all these goods that David amasses, and David says to him, As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a loyal heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intent of the thoughts. Good advice, right? That's good advice. Then he says, if, capitalized, if you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, He will cast you off forever. (laughs) 
That's not the part we want to put on our fridge, is it? If you seek God, you're going to find him. If you forsake him, he'll cast you off forever. That's a little grim. Do you remember what happened to Solomon? He got it all. He got it all. And 600 and some wives. He was a busy guy. And he ended up not following God. Did he get cast off forever? Hmm. Okay, Second Chronicles 6.14. I was thinking about this this morning. You know that song we used to sing? O Lord God of Israel, there's no God like thee in the heavens. There's no God like thee in the earth. He says, O Lord God of Israel, there's no God in heaven or on earth like you who keep your covenant and mercy with your servants who walk before you with all their hearts. That little with all their hearts part used to throw me. How many of you walk before God with all your heart 24-7? How many of you think you do? I see one hand raise. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) I don't do anything with all of my heart. I can't even eat with all of my heart now because it makes me fatter. (laughs) Now, I can love with all of my heart, but people can hurt my feelings. And then I kind of pull back and don't give them all my heart. And I'm supposed to love God, somebody I can't see, and sometimes I pray and doesn't do anything, and I, my feelings are hurt. Has God ever hurt your feelings? Yeah. Okay, well, we are supposed to love him with all of our heart. Think about the first and second commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. If that depended on me, which I thought it did. There's a reason Paul put, there's therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Because we who've tuned our hearts toward looking toward God, we realize there's an accountability factor toward God, don't we? What we think about him determines a whole lot. So in the Old Covenant... It was pretty important that you did it right, or you're in big trouble. God would pull away from you. Even in 2 Chronicles 7.14, which Christians love to quote, they don't realize what covenant it's in and that it's obsolete. If my people who are called by my name, notice the if there. There's always a then on that. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways... Then I will hear from heaven. Then. Then I will hear from heaven. Did you ever need God to help you really bad? And you had really screwed up and that's why you needed him to help you really bad? So then you have to go back and repent. You have to turn from your wicked ways. Well, what if you're an addict to that wicked way? 
There's a lot of thens there that are a contingency. And they didn't have it so good in the Old Covenant. Because they couldn't keep it. This is an if-then. If my people, then I will hear them and forgive their sin and heal their land. I'm so glad it's not contingent on me. All right, so the issue for me, I wrote down a few little notes here, and I brought my journal, so I'm going to read out of that. The issue for me isn't uh, keeping score anymore or accounting for my behavior. I have been justified. I am living out of a different paradigm now. So I want to read this to you. Strangely enough, when I realized I was going to have to deliver something this morning, I looked back and December 6, 2014 was a journal entry. So a year ago, here's what I was thinking. Luke 1, 4 to 5, 45, sorry, Luke 1, 45. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Mm, that's a refrigerator verse. Any of you believe this morning? There will be a fulfillment. Such a deep transformational shift has taken place. I can truly say I didn't know what I was missing. I knew I was missing something. But God in his great grace and mercy has opened my eyes to Christ in me. The hope of glory. Already, the glory is leaking out of my soul and spirit. It's affecting the way I see everything. Like Paul said in 1 Timothy 1.10, and the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. He says this after a brief recollection of who he was prior to meeting Jesus. His grace is exceedingly abundant. Now that I more fully understand the covenant I am the fortunate recipient of, I am undone. All of the promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. It's no more if then. I am blessed beyond thought. Righteousness has been gifted to me. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I now look at Jesus, his righteousness in me. 2 Corinthians 3.8 says, but we all with unveiled face, we have turned, we have turned toward the Lord. The veil's been removed. With unveiled face, beholding, is in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Now, what do you see when you look in a mirror? You see your face. And he's saying, you're looking at the glory of the Lord. We are being transformed into the same image, from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord, or from the Lord, the Spirit. I've become righteousness conscious. I look at the reality 
of the serpent of sin lifted up in the body of Jesus and I am healed. Just like in the Old Testament where the people have been bitten by snakes and Moses was instructed to put a serpent on a pole and lift it up and the people looked at it and they were healed. Well, the serpent of my sin was lifted up and I look at it and I'm healed. He became sin, I became righteous. What joy. What peace. What gratitude. I'm learning to trust him, to trust him for his goodness toward me and let go of controlling circumstances. God has promised me that my joy would be full because he will bring it to pass. I don't have to stir up and do machinations and hope that I'm doing it good enough to bring the glory of the Lord. He's already in there. He will bring it to pass. I'm blessed for believing. All that I do will come from what I truly believe. If I believe wrong, it will bear sick fruit or no fruit. But if I believe right, the fruit will spring directly from the source, the vine. Yes, all things are possible. Abide in the vine. I think one of the main shifts that we had in our thinking was from the necessity of pleasing God to trusting God as, as the axis from which we travel. When we think that we are not pleasing God, we're a lot like Adam, aren't we? We slink off and try to find something to cover our shame. You know, and even now, I don't know about the rest of you, but there's times I find myself thinking, well, what did I expect when I haven't done things well and I don't get good results? And I find myself thinking, what did I expect? Or I think that I've disappointed God by by my behavior or that I'm not patient enough or that... I get angry or that I, you know, all the myriad of little things that we do during the course of the day that we go, this is not perfection, (laughs) not even close, or ugly thoughts we think. But it's no longer, my walk with God is no longer contingent on whether I'm pleasing God. What pleases God? Our faith. That's what pleases God. I can be a real stinker and still be pleasing to God because I believe. I trust now that God will cause all things to work together for good. Not because I do all things right, but because he's good. He reigns on the just and the unjust. I used to think that was a bad thing. I used to think it meant he reigned. Lightning and thunder, but it means he... He waters the land. You go without drought, you go without rain for a few years and you find out what drought is like, it's really bad. 
And God's so kind that he blesses humanity. When those angels came on the the night that Jesus was born, they spoke God's intentions toward humans. And it was peace and goodwill. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. God has goodwill toward humans. And we are a stinkery bunch. No longer do I operate out of a a pivotal point of trying to do enough things right to garner God's favor, to garner his pleasure. I'm now operating out of a pivotal point of God is pleased that I believe. Here's the new paradigm for me is learning to live in the present with a present awareness of Jesus being in me looking out my eyes. And when I believe that he is for me, even in my failures and in the things that, in just me being me, which isn't always pleasing to everyone, he's still pleased with me because I'm his creation and I believe in him. So there is this intimate connection that at any moment I can access. Good, bad, doesn't matter. My being is in him. Now I want to read a little more uh, current one. Remember me talking to you about the memorizing of scripture and how many of you remember that and how the Lord spoke to me about that being building blocks that he could use later. Okay. And I said, he was opening up the heavens to me that early morning. Okay. Well, this is some of my musings and be aware that I haven't fleshed any of this out. This is me cold. Okay. Uh, This is October 26th. I've been laying here for hours, thinking, pondering, revelation pouring in. So many thoughts pouring through my mind, I can't recount them all. But it's all been about living in the light. The kingdom of light. Again, God's pushing the books out of the wall. Did any of you see Interstellar? You know, the guy, they have to go find a new planet because Earth is dying. And so this little girl keeps noticing that books get pushed out of her bookcase. And it's, it's like perplexing. You think, is a ghost doing that? Like, what's going on? Somebody's, these books keep plopping out of the bookcase. So you go through this whole story. Her dad, who is an astronaut, and there's a whole lot of physics involved He goes in search of another planet. They're looking for habitable planets. Correct me if I get this wrong. Any of you who watched it could actually follow what was happening. (laughs) But uh, they did a lot of physics. I got a D in that in seventh grade, and that was the last we dealt with physics. But um, they go in search of another planet. They have all this stuff happen. Long story short... 
he has to go into some kind of a fabric of time and the fabric bends in on itself and that's how they can travel the distances that they need to travel and he gets into some kind of weird thing in physics where he's the one pushing the books out of the wall for his daughter and he's way the heck out in space years ahead has to do with time travel am I getting this even remotely right okay so He's pushing the books out of the wall, cluing her in to some things, and she grows up and becomes a scientist. She studies physics. By the time he gets back to Earth, she's the physicist, astronaut, scientist person who can help go build this colony in this planet thing they make. Okay, so that's the gist of it. Spoiler alert. alert. (laughs) A little late there, but... Yeah, I just realized you may not have seen it, but I would really suggest you go see it. <laughs> Has a good ending. <laughs> so, he's pushing the books out of the wall on his own kid, cluing her into something she's going to grow up to be. And man, has the Lord used that image profoundly with me. He's in a different dimension And he keeps pushing the books out of the wall, cluing me into things that are in the realm of light. Now, we're in the realm of darkness, aren't we? We're on this planet. But we can also currently live in the realm of light. We've been delivered from the kingdom of darkness into the light. Okay? This is a big deal. Okay, so God's pushing the books out of the wall. That was the segue on that. I am in another kingdom. The behaviors that I live out of are so often not of that kingdom because I'm not perceiving the kingdom. I'm not perceiving the king. Who is the kingdom? When you talk about the kingdom of God, I think a lot of us, because of prior training, we think about golden streets, big river running down the middle, lots of leaves, everybody's happy, we all have mansions. Right? Don't we have those kind of like little visuals in there? Okay, but the kingdom of heaven is actually dwelling in a person. And I don't know if all those Word pictures of what the kingdom of heaven is like is actually what the kingdom of heaven is like. Like, I don't know if it'll have big walls. I don't know what it will have. But I do know who it will have. And we are going to dwell in him. Okay, I do think heaven is a place. But I... I know that the most important thing about heaven is not going to be the golden streets. It's not going to be what we do. It's going to be who we're in. And what we don't have, there will be no sin, no sorrow, no darkness, no sadness, no confusion, no contention, No war. We will know as we are known. So, 
I go through my days not perceiving the kingdom and the light and not living entirely in the light in the perception, that perception of being in Jesus. And that's, that's my position of perfection. Okay, being in the light is a position of perfection for us. I get hurt or disappointed and I perceive this darkness instead of the light that I'm in. If we walk in the light as he is in or embodies the light, we all have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus is keeping us cleansed from all the evil effects of sin. That's what that actually means. Where it says it cleanses us from all sin, it means it's cleansing us concurrently this moment from the effects of this realm. Because we are living by faith in another realm. And when I keep my eyes focused on that realm, Jesus is cleansing me. Moment by second, by moment, I'm perfect. I'm walking in the light. And when two of us walk in the light, what happens? It's really good. We have fellowship with Jesus and we have fellowship with each other. The mind set on the flesh is death, not the light of life. Jesus is the portal, the door. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the door, the truth. And the life, he was saying, I'm the real existence. I can live, the real existence I can live is in, that I can live in is all through believing in his being. I am in him, he is in me. Now, I feel... I want to say right there, I feel like the books are being pushed out of the wall on me. Okay, I feel like I'm on the threshold of jumping out into space. Because when I think seriously about this, I, I am thunderstruck by what I do have. And I'm also thunderstruck by what I don't have. I don't understand this yet. I don't fully perceive what this means. Okay, so if you ever think Lloyd and I are, ha, know what we're talking about, <laughs> we do and we don't. Okay, there's so much more. There's so much more. And I'm excited about this journey of finding out how I live in this present moment-by-moment awareness Now that I'm free from condemnation, what a relief. I'm not constantly turning around going, oh, i got to clean that one up. Oh, I need to pray for an hour before I can go pray for them. Oh, I have to get this right. Oh, gosh, I didn't read the word this morning. I need to... How many of you lived your Christianity like that? Scrambling to try and keep current with God. Pleasing him. Being fully pleasing. I mean, Paul talks about that. The fully pleasing part is living in the present with Jesus, understanding he is pleased with you because he's pleased with himself. 
and himself is in you. That's a part. The more we look at that, and the less we look at ourselves and the consciousness of our sin, the more we become oriented to living in the present with him. And sin loses its luster. When I'm not, it's easier for me to say I'm sorry to Lloyd now. It's easier for me to humble out. There's things now that are becoming easier. And it's not because I'm working so hard at it. And I used to work hard at it and then beat myself up because I kept doing it wrong. And I didn't beat myself very hard. Some of you beat yourselves. I'm not that personality. I would just ignore it and move on. But there were times I would beat myself. But now there's that understanding, that recognition of Jesus is not disappointed with me. He's not upset with me. He loves me. I am in him this second. He is in me. He would like me to apologize. That's what he would do. Of course, he doesn't sin, but he's living in one who does. So I can. Things become easier. It becomes easier to live the life that I now live in the flesh and please Jesus because I trust that there really is no, no condemnation. He's happy with me on my worst day, to quote John Lynch. Jesus is the portal. He's in me. Now, I'm going to go back over this just because I want you to hear it again. Here's why it's so important to read memorized scripture. Now, bear in mind, I'm writing this at 6 in the morning after hours of thinking. You are stockpiling the building materials for a thought structure of eternal habitation. When God invades your thoughts, you have massed the building blocks of thought that he can work with. When you memorize scripture and you download it and you live in the world the word and you let it take up residence in your mind and you memorize it, then when God visits you in the night or in your time that you're devoting or just some random time in the day and God shows up profoundly, do you know what I'm talking about? A little different than the norm. And he, then you, he has building blocks to work with. He can pull scripture out and highlight it to you because the scripture's there. Cooperating with sin, for example, resistance to others, shutting down my heart, unforgiveness, anger, contempt, denigration of others in my mind, etc. I'm sure none of you lovelies don't think like me, but this is not accessing the healing, transforming, regenerative life that I can funnel into a situation. I have no power of my own. I have to cooperate with either the kingdom of light or the realm of darkness. I, too, am a portal and can open the kingdom of God and his light to come to others, or rather that he comes to others through me. Or I could flail around and accomplish absolutely nothing. I will never, ever be of the dark Again, 
but I can certainly not operate in the light very well. What a waste. The kingdom of God is within me. How many times have I heard these words and they haven't opened my mind up like it's being opened up now? The grace of God in action upon me. As I get more and more attuned to the light, aware, observant of it, of him, the more my awareness is increased. It's so pointless to have any agenda but God. His will, his life. I don't need to live in any moment but this one. In fact, I can't, can I? Any other moment that I live in in my mind is not actual. It's not real. If I go to the future, it's not real yet. If I go to the past, it doesn't exist anymore. I'm now. The kingdom is here. I want to live in this reality, this moment, and let loose of everything else. None of it matters. I am in the resplendent light of his love and acceptance. I'm in. You're in. All in. Not just a part of you. You're all in. He's made me flawless in his sight. He's revealed the portal. He is the way. He is the truth. And he is the life. He is indeed the door. He wants us to live on the other side now. Everything else is just fluctuation. Sidetracking my mind from the reality of who I am and who he is and who we are together. Humans are inconceivably precious to him. For him to have concocted all this and have gone to such lengths, such a revelation of his love. And then I prayed, Jesus, I'm praying it now. I ask for focus and revelation. I believe my sin is no longer an issue with you. But it is deeply unproductive and pointless to the kingdom of light and utter waste. I ask for more revelation, more focus, so I can enjoy you and others more, unfettered by darkness. I want to walk completely aware of your light and live in it. It will leak out everywhere. And you will continue to do what you do. Draw men into the light. It's impossible not to. Y'all with me on this? Let's pray for this, for this year. Okay, the, the time of Christmas and the Advent... It's always such a reminder to me. It's like, it's like sitting under the Christmas tree when you're a little kid and the lights just... Do you remember that, what it does inside of you? It's like holy to look at a Christmas tree when you're little. You know what I mean? It's like the lights and the ornaments and the whole ethos of Christmas is so fresh and new 
and wonderful and different than the norm of what you do as a kid. And Christmas time every year is different from the norm, isn't it? I mean, we take a whole month and pull out all the stops because of the cataclysmic event that happened. So let's pull our minds back into this cataclysmic event that God, God came in a baby body to save humans. An alien. <laughs> he came as an alien to planet Earth. He was different than us, but he was one of us. And let's ask him to increase our awareness, not just for this season, but for the rest of our journey on Earth. It's a, it's a brief journey, even if we have 90 years. And I don't know about you, I'm assuming you all want your lives to count and matter in the lives of other people. That's what gives us the greatest pleasure, isn't it? When I help other people and I love other people, I find the greatest satisfaction erupting inside of me better than anybody giving me anything. It's when I give. We were designed that way on purpose. And I want to be eminently aware in the moment of what it is that Jesus wants to do and say and speak through this portal, your portal. And he's limitless. So, let's put our hand on Jesus. Knowing he's in there. Jesus, we love you. God, we love you. And we can't love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength without you revealing to us that we are loved by all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And when we get a revelation of that, we respond. We respond this morning, oh, Jesus, we love you. You're our favorite. You will always be our favorite forever. And we want to live in the moment with you. We want to meet other people's eyes and it's Jesus looking at them. We want to look at our children and know Jesus is looking at them. We want to look at our mates with the same affection of Jesus. Because you're looking at us right now with that affection. Lord, would you sensitize us as a body, sensitize us this year to living in the light, living in the moment. Lord, we lay aside fear. We lay aside doubt. We lay aside condemnation. We say, you have invaded us. We want to live in you. Help us. Renew our minds. Lord, if there are any who do not have this revelation this morning, would you gift them with the explosion of your grace? Oh, what a gift. We worship you now. 
We worship you forever. Thank you. In Jesus' name.